I have a memory in my head of the first time I saw someone on Main Street who identified as a tourist. We have a tourist. Wow. I can, and some, it was a guy taking a picture of the Joel Poinsett statue that we put up in wow. front of the Poinsett Hotel as part of our art program. And I saw him taking a picture before iPhones. He had a clunky old camera. Right. And I consciously to myself thought, well, look at that. We have a tourist. I well, figured no local person would be right, taking a picture. You know? Sure. Hi, welcome to Studying Your Way to Success. I'm Eric Weir, and I have my special guest today, long-term friend, Knox White, mayor of Greenville, longest-standing mayor of Greenville, an, an incredible, just an, an unbelievable city, and he's been the mayor for 26 years. So the amount of change you have seen in 26 mm-hmm. years is legendary. And I met you in 2005. I came uh, to, I was going to my high school reunion in Fayette County, Georgia. At that time, I lived in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I came back to visit some friends. And they said, well, why don't you just come and spend the day with us in Greenville? And I came and I saw bounce houses and live music. And I saw food and you had the tickets. And I, I saw more life and energy in just a, just six or eight, t- ten blocks on Main Street than I'd seen in a long time. And I decided to actually skip my high school reunion. And I stayed, I stayed the weekend. I had so much fun in Greenville. And then while I was there, I ended up making some phone calls, and I think you heard from some members of my family. And at some point in time, I met you, and you showed me around the town. And I think, uh, and you know, I like to invest, and some things I invest in is real estate. But it was amazing to see your your excitement, your your, your vision, and and your view for downtown Greenville. And I, I picked up a book re- recently, a reimagining Greenville, building the best downtown in America. So, so t- t- tell me about the book. Let's, let's hear about what it was like being mayor. What, 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 I mean, how did you start to even become the mayor of Greenville? Well, I'm a native of Greenville, so I've got a great little institutional memory. I used to do my summer jobs when I was in middle school and high school. Uh, yeah, I usually worked downtown uh, in a place downtown running errands and also. So the geography is familiar with me. I can look at every building downtown and remember what it used to be like, <clears throat> good times and then the bad times. And so that gives me a nice uh, kind of backdrop and also just a real love in my heart for the for the territory, the geography, the people of the city. Um, Eric, you're one of the few people I've, who I work with today and uh, on a regular basis and interact with. And um known for a long time where I can honestly say I knew your mother before I knew you because <laughs> when you first That's came great. to town I met your yeah. family right uh you just showed up in my office I don't know how they were they got through my gauntlet of, of assistants and appointment secretaries to to meet some folks from what it came from California right. and then I met you and um at the time you first showed up in Greenville, very significantly, if you said it was 2005 it was 2005 or six that's put right. it in context we opened Falls Park in 2004 Wow, and if, and if there are just certain markers along the way that make downtown what it is today. Where do we sort of go off in a different direction, a new paradigm, and definitely the opening of Falls Park that would still take, I would say, five to ten years before Falls Park would have the direct effect on downtown redevelopment that it's had now. But you were here, in other words, on the precipice, on the edge between kind of the it made progress. The downtown that had beautiful trees, we had the Peace Center, uh, we had a restaurant scene beginning to emerge. Uh, but we didn't have retail. We didn't have anybody living downtown to speak of. Very little residential yet. We were working on that first first and foremost mm-hmm. by the way, get people to live in downtown. That's where they were the secret, secret to our sauce, by the way, is the amount of residential we have downtown, adding life and vibrancy. But you were here before Falls Park, before 
all these things. I think we had just reopened the point set, but you were at that kind of edge moment. Mm-hmm. So I would salute you for being able to see in what was still a fairly sleepy downtown. Right. It still wasn't a place people just went to. It, it, right. it, and we weren't on any kind of top five list or top six list. We weren't on any of that. We didn't have any tourists. Uh, no one visited Greenville. Um, yet somehow you came to town and saw Falls Park, I guess. I'm sure you did. I'm sure I made sure you did. If you saw me, you saw you walked to Liberty Bridge. I yeah. can promise you that. Oh, yeah. And began to see the, the wonderful natural assets of a waterfall, a waterfall in the middle of the city that we had brought back to life again. And so, so I salute you for you know seeing the potential in, at that stage in our development. It was fantastic. I remember when I came here, I was used to California prices. Yeah. And when I came to Greenville, I'm like, this is this is great. And I, and I was, I, I, I saw the potential of the area. And I remember going to seeing drawings of what would then become a ballpark, downtown ballpark. How neat is that? It was going to be you know kind of modeled after the Boston Red Sox and what that would yeah, look we were, like. That'd be the point we were just beginning to. We acquired the property in the West End. It was a it was an abandoned lumber yard. There were syringes all over the place. Right. I thought, first of all, why, are there, why is there medical stuff here? That's not medical stuff, Mary. That's drug paraphernalia. <laughs> I said, oh, of course. Horrible neighborhood. I mean, there were businesses in the West End in that vicinity that they used, they used to require their employees to carry a gun when they went Whoa. to work every day. Required it. Wow. And I'm not making that up. That's wow. true. That, that's here. Wow. And we decided to put a baseball stadium there. Uh, so psychologically and everything else, it was like what, it seemed kind of crazy. But yeah, we haven't we hadn't even built that yet. But we right. were but we were talking right. about. It. I'm impressed right. that I took you to see yeah. <laughs> to see that site. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you could have bought the whole downtown then. Um, I, I can remember where a building on Main Street typically just t- take a piece of Main Street in that era. And even even though again we had a foundation of a good downtown, everything seemed to cost around three hundred thousand dollars. You right. could buy almost every building in downtown for about three hundred thousand dollars. And so, but again, we did get people to come in and buy some buildings and renovate them, and particularly to add residential, second floor mm-hmm. condos and apartments in downtown. And we started small, we kept building it and building it and building it, and the city got very engaged in that until the market finally caught on. Um, but we were still in that era, that era when you visited. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember going to to, uh, to to look at it, seeing the drawings and the sketches, <laughs> and then I remember coming back for what was going to be an auction. And then we're going to auction off uh, a number of the units. And I remember bringing right. family with me. Yeah. And uh, my brother purchased one. My parents purchased one. I yeah. purchased two. And it was put down a deposit. And this is what it would be like. And I remember leaving and just the 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 group just being in awe. that This group just, just came in and a friend of mine bought one. So there was five yeah. of the units were either family or Prices friends. Prices seem so low from California. They were they, so they, low. Yeah. yeah. We, and, now we have concerns about affordable housing. But right. again, a few, just a few years ago, it was all affordable. Um, it, it changed so quickly, but it, it now, we're, now we're dealing with that issue. Um, it, it, it was, and, and I had a, um, I had a, a, a long time, a local Green Villain walk up to me, and very politely, he shook my hand and goes, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> I said, no. I said, uh, he goes, you, he said, you don't know what you're buying into. And I said, well, I said, it might be the case. I yeah. said, but I, I think I see a lot of change. And what you see in when you go around just about anywhere, is we're all sort of blinded by familiarity. Yeah. You know, you kind of see what you what you've always seen. And I was I was reading. I was I, I did a real estate program uh, years ago, and one of the central thoughts was it was by Michelangelo, and he goes. Uh, and he was an architect, sculptor, artist, just a, a genius, and yeah. did city planning. But you know, hundreds of years ago, he did do city planning. And that's right, he was yeah. fantastic, yeah. and I love studying his work and what he said about because it. it was just really independent yeah. thought and very creative and forward looking. 
However, he said, cities need these things. I'm like, well, what are they? They need water, not like drinking water, but, but like a river or a yeah. lake, some kind of water. They need music, okay? They need food, and then they need a way to handle waste. At that time, he was thinking about waste from horses and things like that, but basically yeah. you know, utilities. And I thought, well, if you look at Greenville, you have water mm-hmm. right, through, right through town. There was an up-and-coming music scene. There was an up-and-coming f- food scene. And the commitment and the, the feeling for somebody coming out of town to see the, the public-private interaction, mm-hmm. to me, it was like it had everything that it needed. Yeah. And, and how do you think uh, the Liberty Bridge and c- cleaning up the river – I've heard so many stories, and I, r- I read a quote from your book. And it was, it w- it was basically if, if you were down along, along, along the river and by the mill site, you needed a good excuse to be there because <laughs> it had changed. It's just – it's changed so much now. It's hard to even see yeah. if someone were to come to Greenville today. is one, one of the top – I read it's the top 15 cities in the world to visit this year, 2023. And that was not the case in, 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 in 2005. So how did the, the, how did the, the, the water – in your view, when people come to visit, I mean, what kind of impact does that have? See, I think it's had a huge impact. And I tell people, people who come to our city looking at Greenville and, and they just fall in love with it. It's, it's, it's a visceral thing. It's, it's internalized. You know, why is that? Why does it seem so beautiful and engaging with people? I mean, I hear stories about people like we drove, we looked at five or six different cities, but we drove down Main Street. And before we even got to Falls Park, we said, this is where we want to move. We want to move our business to or something. So why is that? Well, the fundamentals of our, of our well-planned downtown, we're big on planning, uh, big on public-private partnerships, people working together. Um, but the, with the core of it really is what you just said. It's, it's really very basic, um, primordial, if that's the word for it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's trees and water. Mm-hmm. Um, the legacy that Max Heller gave us of the wide sidewalks and the tree cover on Main Street is profound. It's just for a long time there was nothing under the trees. We had mm-hmm. to get the retail and the residential there to really activate life under those trees. But the trees were foundational. And then I would add then secondly, our decisions to take down the Camperdown Bridge, the old four-lane highway bridge on top of the waterfall that had been there for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't even know we had a waterfall, and that's that's something I'm sure you've heard before, but it's true. Sure. Most people who lived in Greenville all their lives did not know we had a waterfall. So we took down the bridge, very controversial, and gave us something new. We not only had trees, now we had water. Uh, I didn't know we were following Michelangelo's urban development that's right, plan. That's right, I were. had no idea, Eric. I'm going to have to follow up with you on that. <laughs> Uh, but those yeah. fundamentals of downtown, you know, why is downtown Greenville successful? Trees, I would say walkability, right. connectivity, walkability. Swamp Rabbit Trail, but, tell, tell me about that. Is how Swamp long Rabbit, is but trees and water. Yeah, it, yeah. And if we'll continue to focus on that and make that our focus, our touchstone. So that's why we built Unity Park. Everything's connected. Uh, I mean, it's to, so we, it works, water and trees on one end. We, we're just going up the river and we built a new 60-acre park, planted mm. hundreds and hundreds of new trees. Um, so we got water and trees there too. So we've expanded that footprint, and then Swamp Rabbit Trail, uh, which began, by the way, in the city of Greenville before it was in the county, uh, is part of that same system: walkability, connectivity, trees, and water. I say all that because people get so freaked out about all the growth we're having, new people, mm-hmm. traffic, all the issues of growth, which we are having. Mm-hmm. But the city's just a tiny part of Greenville County, just a tiny part. Mm-hmm. And the county of Greenville is growing so fast. Fastest mm-hmm. is the biggest county in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Our job in the city is to try to manage our little piece of growth mm-hmm. in the best way. And we don't always get it right. It's like mm-hmm. riding a fast-moving horse. We're trying to maneuver it. But if we can focus, if we can keep our eye on the ball that, okay, we're going to grow, we're going to have taller buildings, we're going to have more of this, more of that, 
but on the street level, on the street level, we'll make it walkable, pedestrian friendly, place mm-hmm. green grass, trees, water. <laughs> The yeah, Michelangelo so, plan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, well, oftentimes in business, you, you look at what's called a SWOT analysis. You look at yeah. what are my strengths, what are my yeah. weaknesses, right. what are my opportunities, what are my threats. And I think we've, we've talked about some of the strengths of, of Greenville. We've talked about the water, the Unity Park, Falls Park, uh, so, so some, so some of the, 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 the leadership, historic and current with, with you and, and, and Max Heller as well. Uh, so what do you think are some of the things that could be opportunities that, that we could take advantage of? Well, I think we should focus on what those strengths are. I think the opportunities are right in front of us to f- continue to focus on it. Always, always stress walkability. Always stress that it's, stress that it's a, a downtown area that's for people first and foremost. And it doesn't mean it, we want office development. We want, we want the business sector. We want to be a serious business town as well. Mm-hmm can't be too much of one thing it's about having good diversification of things happening all the time mm-hmm. you got people working there nine to five you got other people who are living there at, on weekends and after five o'clock it's that diversity that gives us real strength and stability uh, we saw that during covid by the way um there was a there was the ultimate stress test oh wow um you know so the businesses close uh, for a while even the retail shops had to close but we still had people living there walking the dog and the minute things opened up again our downtown, it never, it never really completely died. Mm-hmm. A lot of places were completely dead. Uh, we came back strong, but we never really – we always had a heartbeat down there because people lived there. Wow. Um, we, we, we've talked again about opportunities and strengths. Do you see anything that could be like a threat or, yeah. or a weakness or things that kind of need attention, you think, from oh, a yeah. perspective? Oh, yeah. Everything we do in the city is focused on growth and managing our growth, shaping our growth. And that's where conflicts and controversy and people – fuss about things and are concerned, but everybody cares so much about it. There's a sense of ownership about our downtown that Mm -hmm. our residents feel. People who live downtown, people who live just beyond downtown, Mm -hmm. and everybody feels it's kind of like their downtown. Mm -hmm. So our our threat is always that we, that maybe we we miss too many things, that things get out of control. But I'm going to tell you, we we do miss some things, but we get a lot of it right, too, uh, proactively, and that's what people come in and look at us. Um, So keeping the fundamentals right, walkability, again, focused on people green green park space uh, that's how we manage our growth well, well when I, I was reading your, your your book i noticed that there was a, really a tribute of sorts given to max max heller for what he had done as as mayor and the fact that he was a holocaust survivor which mm-hmm. i learned about him and then he became mayor in the 60s after having a successful textile business but there came a point in time where he wanted to see growth and things change and he really he issued almost a challenge to business owners to get more involved in downtown. If you look at pictures of the mm-hmm. 60s versus now, it seems as though that may have been the start of what we now call a public-private partnership. Right. And it may not have been labeled that at that time. Do you think that's important even today? Oh, it absolutely is. In fact, it used to be Greenville's early public-private partnerships were taught at Harvard Business School. The Hyatt Project, is it, what is common now around the country in many places was not common at all in the 1980s, and Greenville was doing it. Uh, Public-private partnerships, you know, the city, things, to make it simple, you know, you bring in your private investment and the city will help you with, say, parking a parking garage. That's a big investment. Uh, city will help with trees and public space, but you build you build your hotel, you build your business. Well, that <laughs> basic model is what we did for for forty years, and mm-hmm. I have continue to do. Um, in some communities, that's still hard to do. Um, others have figured it out, many have not. But yeah, we started early on public-private partnerships. It's kind of cooked into our way of thinking. 
Um, uh, you know, downtown developments have come a long way. We still, we had, what I had to do when I came in was get people on the street. Uh, right. We had, we had, we had two, we had office development, but we didn't have residential. We didn't people living there. So it went dead after five o'clock. Right. Downtown Greenville was still dead at five o'clock and on weekends and tourists didn't come. So we wanted to really focus on residential downtown. We wanted to fill the downtown with public art. Um, mm. We called it personality. It's in, I talk about that in my book, that we were focused on mixed use, that is getting a good balance of office. Yes, we want office, but we also want residential, and we want retail. Um, and we also want something else. We want, we want a strong personality. You know, what do we have that makes downtown Greenville unique and different? So that was the reason for the lights and the trees. That was the reason for the public art up and down Main Street, things to see and think about while you're walking around. And finally, first and foremost, it was about embracing the river, right. which was still, during all those early days, and there's a lot of tension on the Hyatt and all, it's like the river doesn't exist. It, it didn't exist. The Poinsett right. Hotel was closed. Right. Uh, Peace Center was down there, kind of Fort Apache by itself. The river was full of kudzu. It was crime-ridden, old broken-down warehouses, and of course, the waterfall did not exist. It was under a bridge. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, the big leap forward, I think, is still... The, the embrace of the river. So we're kind of back again to no, the river I, and Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had no it, it, idea. So, 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 oh, it's, it's so interesting. And when I was reading also, when I was reading about the Hyatt, uh, in 1982 is, is basically mm-hmm. when it 82. started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it had a budget of 20 million dollars. It was over budget. <laughs> uh, it was 35 uh, million, so it was 75 percent over uh, budget. And then it took 14 years to really find its footing, where it was open and operated before yeah. it began to be profitable. And you look at at the growth of Greenville, where if you would if you're in that for 14, it must have been alarming. And then all new ho- hotels come, and food food comes, and entertainment comes, and art. And now the hotel is a screaming success. It's it's yeah. very busy. It's 300 rooms, a conference center. And now, I mean, how many hotels have have, have come in? A, a oh. dozen or more we, than that downtown. Yeah, when I and they're full. When I came in as mayor, uh, if somebody said to you, and about, not, not long before you arrived in Greenville, if, if somebody said to you, meet me downtown, you know what that meant? That meant meet me at the Hyatt because wow. there was no other place you would meet somebody. Right. You had Again, you had the Peace Center by itself down at one end, but otherwise, point sets closed. There's nothing in between, no mm-hmm. retail. The Hyatt was it. And so our job was to break out of that barrier so the reopening the first job was reopening the poinsett hotel right which had been locked up and closed for 25 years uh, it was boarded up they had a you can believe wow. this now there was a chain link fence around it for for a decade or more wow. um you just walked by and said what's that well thank goodness it wasn't torn down there there was it came really close to being torn down Is that right but again it speaks to our personality and authenticity mm-hmm. it's an historic building we don't want to tear down any historic buildings uh, but getting that point set done it was helpful because it kind of it jerked the redevelopment to the other side of Main Street from the mm-hmm. Hyatt. It skipped a couple blocks, and then we filled in in between, put in residential, first and foremost, second floor residential. And after that was done, you, the way these things work, when the point set opened, then we could look at going down the street further, which would take us to the river, mm. which brought us for front and center to the issue of what about the bridge what about the waterfall and then on to the baseball stadium so that's how it all kind of connects as you look it's back at it say one thing had to lead to another but things were kind of stuck kind of stuck at the right. hyatt when i right. came in as the way i saw it um and and people talked about how do we ex- you know how do we move beyond one block around the hyatt you know right right so so it seems in in, in reading this and talking and living here as long as i have it was the hyatt 
and then it was a poinsett, and then it became the ballpark. And the poinsett, the yeah, ballpark, false had park in some, the middle, some, some tough area. Then the false park in the middle. Yeah. So, do you see it? It's, it's gone. It's gone down, down 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 Main Street. Do you see it getting wider and going yeah. other directions? And that's or, been another great story, and it, it's and it's uh, happening faster and better than we ever thought. We were very we had planning documents. Uh, the last couple downtown plans mm. really focused on a much, you know, used to, used to be a downtown plan. I've still got all the plans in my office, and it was all about about a six-block area. Wow. What are you going to do about that? Re- how are we going to get residential there? How are we going to plant trees? How we- well, now the downtown footprint is way bigger. Right. And so, yeah, we're doing things to bring development uh, nooks and crannies off of Main Street as, as it must develop and hopping over to Academy. And, and then the crossover to Academy, when you think about that, Academy Street was like a Berlin Wall. Mm. It was the big Iron Curtain. And we were able to persuade the Croc Center and then later the Wittenberg School, the school district, to build those projects on the other side of Academy Street. Mm. And I think in the, in the annals of our history of our development, mm. that was those were huge events because psychologically that was a big barrier being broken to cross over Academy. And we did that because even then, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, we had these the plans for a new park, a 60-acre park in this very heavily industrialized area uh, that's now called now it's greened up 60 acres of green space called Unity Park. So, mm-hmm. but we had to break that barrier too. So we're all yeah we're strategically moving out outside of the original you know Main Street four or five blocks. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, so so when, when I'm reading and, and, and traveling, I know when I was flying when I would fly into town, it was always called called Greensville. They would always mispronounce it. You notice that too. <laughs> and now it's always Greenville. And then when I when I uh, would travel That's around right. the U.S., it'd be like, oh, you're from North Carolina. Yeah. That hasn't happened in so long. It's it's mm. South Carolina. And in fact, I was reading that, and I see when you when you go out, you you, you realize that twenty percent plus of the people don't don't live here. They're they're visiting. So why is Greenville a, a, a vacation destination? And is it just vacationers or other city planners come here to look? Or Well, we get a lot of attention from other cities, other city planners. But I think why people like it, you know, we've got a strong core of business travel. We always had that, and the hotel industry was kind of built around that. And then they suddenly discovered that, you know, weekend getaways from Atlanta, from, from the Charlotte area, mm. uh, weddings and all. Mm-hmm. People begin to come on the weekends in particular, and all that happened several years after we opened Falls Park. It was the river that took us to a whole other level. But but here's but here's the biggest thing to know about tourism and the tourism industry and the growth of the hotels. The great thing about downtown Greenville and our city is we didn't build anything in our downtown for tourists. Hmm. We, we used tourism dollars to build Falls Park, to build Unity Park, but we did it for ourselves. Okay. It was our park, first and foremost, our green space, our, our waterfall. It just happens to be so beautiful, so natural, unforced, if you will, that people from outside love it. Didn't really expect that. We expected, maybe hoped mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. We used to actually, the, the, the design team of Falls Park, I can well remember many conversations as Falls Park was developing mm-hmm. and planned. Do you think anyone from Atlanta will actually want to come and see this? Right. I don't know. You know, maybe. Yeah. Right, um, right, right. And right, so, right. you know, it started small. And I, and I can, Eric, I'd like, I think it's in my, I mentioned to you before, I think I can tell you, I, the fir- I have a memory in my head of the first time I saw someone on Main Street who identified as a tourist. We have a tourist. Wow. I can, and <laughs> some, it was a guy taking a picture of the Joel Poinsett statue that we put up in wow. front of the Poinsett Hotel as part of our art program. And I saw him taking a picture before iPhones. He had a clunky old camera. Right. And I consciously to myself thought, well, look at that. We have a tourist 
I well, figured no local person would be right, taking a picture, you know. Sure, sure. And that's how things have changed so quickly. Right, but we right, didn't right. build it for tourists. We yeah. built it for ourselves. And and that's a great lesson takeaway for other cities sure. that, that want to have tourists. Don't do it for the tourists. Don't build a don't stick a Ferris wheel in the middle of nowhere. Don't do some replication of Disney World sure. or something. Be yourself. And if you are yourself and you're beautiful, people want to see it. Are there other cities, as a mayor, I'm sure you go to conferences and meet other mayors and you go to other cities. Are there cities that inspire you or that you, if you've learned from? Oh, yeah, a lot of, and no one city totally, but a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So, okay. you know, I enjoy when I go to Boulder, Colorado, what they've done with their river and their green space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Columbus, Ohio has got a, a good example of a city with, it's bigger, it's got bigger buildings, it's got more business and commerce, corporate headquarters, but they've kept the green on their river. Mm-hmm. And the walkability of their downtown is pleasant. It doesn't feel oppressive like some big cities. It's not like going to Houston or Dallas is downtown. Cleveland's a good example, which is a good inspiration for us. We can grow bigger and yet still be very different from Atlanta, be very different from Charlotte because of that walkability and that mm-hmm. pedestrian scale. Hmm. Well, if, you, if, if, if you're considering moving a business to Greenville or you're considering uh, moving a family here or, or starting to do some real estate investing, uh, have you missed the opportunity? Is it too late to get involved in Greenville? Or? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I mean, we, we strive to be, and I believe we are, an opportunity city. And we mm-hmm. strive to make it that way for everyone. It's always the challenge, and no, no more so than now, and making mm-hmm. sure the doors of opportunity are there for everyone. But it is an opportunity city. You can come here start a business, create a business. You can network here beautifully as you can attest your personal experience. Mm-hmm. You can you can work with the mayor. <laughs> you can work right, with right. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. The doors are open across this community. And when I'm told over and over again, we all are that that's not it's not that way in so many cities. You can you can come here and meet the people you need to meet. That's true. And have an opportunity. That's true. Um, also, when I, when I travel around, I, or you look at developing or uh, other other areas, you know, Greenville and other areas, but how important is, is affordable housing to, 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 to keep in a city relevant or popular yeah. or vibrant? I think that's a challenge. All, all growth cities in America are facing that. And it, it is important because at the end of the day, you've got, if you're going to bring a business here, they've got to be places for people to, to buy a home and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully close in to the center city sure. if you can. And so it's our number one challenge. We've made affordable housing. Affordable housing and creating more green space are our two priorities of the city council. That's what we work on night mm-hmm. and day. On the affordable housing side, again, we've been, I think, very creative. Uh, it didn't; the problems didn't start all at one time overnight. In fact, I just told you, you know, a couple of years ago, there was no nobody talking about affordability because everything was. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole term gentrification didn't first appear till around 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have those issues, so we've had to recalibrate. And so we're doing a lot of things. We're doing important things like encouraging new development to include affordable housing as a part of the development, mm-hmm. 20% set aside. That's a significant thing, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to mm-hmm. say yes to it every time you have a chance to do it. Um, but we're also doing big things. We're taking large pieces of property along Unity Park, for example. That's one example, big one. We took, um, eight, we donated about eight major parcels, valued at around nine million dollars, uh, as part of the Unity Park project. So we're going to build the largest footprint of affordable housing on, in one site, right there on the edge of Unity Park. Mm-hmm. And these things all take time, uh, but there's significant ways to address this. And to those who are skeptical about how Greenville will deal with affordable housing, I would just say, watch us. Mm-hmm. Greenville, we just talked about these large things we've done in the past. They seemed almost Herculean, uh, and yet we did them. And, mm-hmm. and other cities come here to say, how did you do that? Well, we're going to do the same thing on affordable housing, and we're already 
taking steps in that direction to go big on that. Because, yeah, just like you said, if you want to continue this, the cycle of people coming and businesses coming, um, you got people have place to, have to have place to live. Doesn't mean it has to be downtown exactly, sure, but in, sure. in the larger community, we need to have opportunities. You know, if you look at a pretty any development or anyone who's had an accomplishment in life, sometimes from the outside looking in, it's like it looks pretty easy. Well, that was pretty easy to, to, to make that happen. You you had all the luck was in your favor. You're in a southern area. You're a natural benefactor. So were there struggles along the way? Were there times where it was like, how do we pull this off? Did you have any, any moments like that? Well, that's what this book's about. <laughs> <laughs> I've read oh my it. Gosh. There a number of those, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to some degree, it's easier in that I think there's more confidence that the city has a good game plan, that things we've done in the past can work again. Uh, Unity Park has had its issues. It's taken a long time. We have a huge, we had a huge amount of community participation in that. Mm -hmm. The neighborhood, Southern Side neighborhood, basically designed the park. So, but we learned that lesson from mm-hmm. the past that we, you, you can't just do these things top down. You've got to sure. bring people in That's and it. say, hey, it's, it's going to be your, your park. What do you want to see there? So the process takes longer. But having said that, the conflict and controversy over the baseball stadium mm-hmm. coming downtown and the conflict and controversy over moving the bridge were far worse, far more intense, far more emotional with people who were against it, just plain against it, didn't want to see the change. And um, so it, Success kind of breeds success, is what I'm saying. Did you ever have people who were against the change? Maybe even the, just some of the leaders of the, I really don't want this to happen. Yeah. And then when they see the change, they yeah. come back around and like, gee, you were, you were right. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Yeah, it's funny you ask that question because I don't talk about it much, but it happened a lot, um, mm. which is good. I mean, I, over the course of many years, the number of people who've sought me out might on a social occasion, might be at the, at the grocery store to say, hey, can I talk to you a minute? I've had this happen so many times. It's crazy. You know, I was all against taking down that bridge, <laughs> but boy, was I wrong. Oh, wow. Or I was all against the baseball stadium. Those are sure. two that come up again and again. Wow. It happened just last week. So it may take a while for everybody to come to the conclusion, <laughs> but, but hey, let me be fair about it. On the, on the Camperdown Bridge issue, most people who lived in Greenville, again, had never seen the waterfall. So for us to go out and say, hey, we're going to spend $18 million to build a beautiful park around a waterfall you've never seen, trust us, <laughs> it lot, was right? a hard sell. Sure. And, and so people are different levels of knowledge and what they're basing the decision on. We had a lot of people, a lot of people in the community who probably should have known better, who said to me that if you take away the bridge, it will be an embarrassment. I said, an embarrassment? Yes, because there's just a trickle of water over that waterfall. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And I'd say, well, have you been under the bridge to look at the waterfall? And I could kind of see by their faces that they haven't done it lately. Well, anyway, they were wrong. There was not a trickle. Maybe when it's a drought, there's a little bit of a, it's smaller. But sure. Um, so, so I try to be fair about it. People's perceptions are hard. You, you want to base it on what you, what you think right. you know. Right. But if I appreciate you, those who are more visionary about it and actually <laughs> get down there and, you know, check these sure, things out. Sure, and, and go sure. to other cities and see how things are done. Yeah, what, 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 what I enjoy about the book is it, it, it seems as though you, you want to hear all the opinions, the pros, the cons, the, mm-hmm. and then try to have education and, and build consensus and move ahead. So I thought that if you're running a company or, or a business or a fan, yeah. anything, it's important That's to That's where do. the world works now. Exactly. It's just not, it's not the old days where one person in Greenville says, hey, we're going to do this. And that's the way it was for <laughs> during the 60s and 70s. You had a right. few people. You know, the mayor could just bring in a few people. It's different today, and uh, and that's good. People are more engaged than they should be. Correct, correct. If you could go back and and, and give yourself advice, you know, mm-hmm. when you're your day one is at the mayor's office, what would you, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. 
I, I had to learn a lot about, again, what I just mentioned about the waterfall issue, mm-hmm. the different perceptions people would have. People start at a different place. They only know what they know. So I, I tried to learn, and I look back and remember that people are visual. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to show people the vision painted out, illustrated is more important. We can do better with the technology these days than we could in the past and showing people what you're, you're going to be asked to do this, but this is what you get. And we still kind of struggle with that, but uh, showing people, be understanding that people are, are different places and you have to you know, kind of give them the full picture. And, it's, and of course you need a lot more community engagement. So one thing I've learned too is we, we have to realize that's going to be that way and we need to cook that in into the beginning of processes to kind of make these things move along a little faster, frankly. Getting people involved early is very, very important, if all the stakeholders. Hmm. And if you were to, and I'm sure you have an occasion to, to, to speak to groups of other mayors and yeah. other business leaders and corporate leaders come by. So I have two more questions around this. What advice would you give someone who's starting as a mayor in another town who, who wants to see growth? And maybe they're hmm. they're facing obstacles and they, they see a potential you know, but they're like, well, how do I, how do I affect change in a positive way? Yeah. Well, f- one, one thing that's really interesting to me, because I do see a lot of mayors that have been around a long time, a, a mayor needs to realize that, that they are in a really unique position. Um, the greatest thing about being mayor is you make a phone call and people answer your call. You want to make an appointment to see Eric Weir, you can get in to see Eric Weir. It's a great opportunity to open doors, uh, to go in neighborhoods and say, well, I want to get to know the community leaders people want to meet with you so that's an important thing to understand the mm-hmm. the power is not the word but the abilities you mm-hmm. have to affect change is probably greater than you realize when you first become mayor i had to struggle through that process but i've helped other mayors understand that too that you're the guy you're the, you're the you're the leader you're the the woman in charge you're the man in charge and uh understanding that role um, and you ought to be the, the prime design mover and shaker for the city somebody's got to speak out for Good design, good architecture, things done right, and have that have that vision. Um, I always tell people too. The biggest takeaway from downtown Greenville is, yeah, you need mixed use. You need you know get a good get residential in your downtown. If you want vibrancy on the street, get residential, and then you'll get the retail. But the other part is most importantly, you know what makes your city unique and different. What do you have that sets you apart? What are your assets? Or to sum it up, best I can say it: find your waterfall. Mm, wow. Okay. What is that waterfall? Sure. It's not a waterfall. It's something else. And remember too that Greenville didn't even know we had a waterfall. So don't right. say, "Oh, you've got a waterfall." No, no, no. We we didn't even know we had one. So sure. You know, find your waterfall. Can I tell you one of the real life stories? We yeah, just please, had a, we please. get a lot of inner city visits, and just a few weeks ago we right. had a visit from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, hmm. and um, Baton Rouge brought a hundred and forty people to Greenville. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's not unusual. We had Tallahassee, Jesus. we've had Jacksonville, we've had 30 or 40 cities, big, but 140. The mayor came, council members, and 100 of their best mm. friends, I guess. Jesus. They spent almost a week, and I was talking, and they come to Greenville to see, you know, how we did this amazing success story in downtown. And we, so we talked about the importance of residential. We talked about the authenticity and all that. And, and one of the people in the delegation who was in charge of it saw me the next day and said, we really are blown away by what y'all have done with this little river you have, which is actually just an oversized creek called the Reedy River. It's just amazing because, you know, we have a river, too, in Baton Rouge. It's called the Mississippi. <laughs> but we don't do anything with it. Wow. And I said, you don't do anything with it? He said, no. And he said, he said, in, he said in Baton Rouge, this is his words, in Baton Rouge, the Mississippi River is kind of like the weather. It's just out there. Yeah. 
And we, one of our big takeaways for coming to Greenville is, well, wait a minute, what are we missing? Because one of their big anxieties in Baton Rouge right. is people, they don't, their downtown is not a place people go. You've got a, very little happening there, but they have LSU. LSU right. is in Baton Rouge. It's, right. it's enormous, it's enormous school. Sure. And they struggle with the fact that people, LS, LSU grads are not <laughs> staying in Baton Rouge. Right. Why is that? And now they realize it might have something to do with the fact that we don't build up, we don't, we are downtown, our river, we don't, we're, not, we're not doing the kind of things sure. Greenville's done to, to make people want to live here, stay here, move here. So that's their inspiration. They're, I hope they'll go back and you know they, they can find their falls. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's called the, it's called the Mississippi. No so. doubt. That's, that's well, we fantastic. hear that kind of story from a lot of cities that are inspired by what they see in Greenville. They see enough of themselves in our city, even if we're much, much smaller mm-hmm. than in Baton Rouge and other cities. They can see enough to, to understand what they need to do. If I'm listening to this and I live in some other part of the U.S., I'm looking to, to move to a city, and that happens all the time. Uh, I mean, what's Greenville like for hiring employees or finding skilled labor or an educated w- w- workforce? I mean, how is Greenville? Is it any different than any other city? Well, we just mentioned affordable housing issues here, but again, relative to other cities, we're, we're kind of in the middle there, but we do focus on affordability of housing, which is going to be a big issue going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one's workforce training, getting a workforce. I would still say that, uh, you know, we have BMW here in Michelin, and they have huge programs mm-hmm. of workforce training. In fact, BMW just announced last Last year, a brand new multi-million dollar new facility on workforce training. Michelin works with Greenville Technical College. So it's a challenge everywhere, but uh, we're still a place where people come here because they can find jobs and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the corporate community understands that getting folks trained is the number one thing they, they need to be about. If you walk down Greenville, you're on, you're on Main Street. You don't have to walk too far and you see something. You don't see in other, other, other streets or you see art. You see, you see sculptures, and you see mice. What's going on with the mice? Well, <laughs> when we started years ago looking at our downtown, again, we needed, I'm repeating myself, but residential downtown, second floor. Then later we had you know 30 units, 40 units, and the place you looked at was a multi- Early multifamily, right. early multifamily project. Right. Now we have lots of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing we didn't have, we we didn't have any public art. Um, we didn't have any, and so we did intentionally and consciously say, "Well, what can we do to to make it more, more walk to make it more walkable?" Because you know, when you're walking around, you got to see things, and so part of the method to the madness is to create things of interest as you walk along. Sure. So what to do? So we launched a public art program, the Joel Poinsett statue, then Joe, Joe, Shoeless Joe Jackson. We tell the history of the city through mm-hmm. art, which is quite unique. Well, in the middle of all that, in comes in a high school student. I was only mayor maybe one year. I was my first or second year as mayor. A uh, high school student named Jimmy Ryan, and he had a class project, a senior class project, and he was a Mice on Main project based mm-hmm. on the book Good Night Moon, and he had these little bronze mice. Came by to see me. He was very nervous but very sincere. And he opened up his notebook and he showed me that he had photographs of the of the uh, the process of uh, building the molds for these mice. And he mm-hmm. had a, 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 an example of what the mice would look like. And mm-hmm. he had an artist all lined up to build to mm-hmm. build to produce the mice on Main, if you will. Well, I had kids at the time, small kids, I still do, but they were younger and we knew mm-hmm. knew the book. Sure. Um, Good night, Moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, he had two problems. He he needed another uh, fifty or sixty bucks, and he needed permission from the city to put these mice all around downtown like a like a um, scavenger hunt, uh, where you'd find the mice. <clears throat> and he'd been told no. Somebody in the mm-hmm. city told him no. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm glad I met with him, and I was in sort of inspired by him, and we took a chance on him, said yes to the mice, and also wrote him a check. <laughs> wow. And, uh, but I had no idea, no idea that his project, his high school project, Mice on Main, would become the seminal smash hit for <laughs> downtown for children and all. Wow. And um, he went on to Duke and then Duke Medical School, and now he's an anesthesiologist here in, here in Greenville. Uh, so it comes full circle. He's got his own wow. kids. He's got his wife and kids, and now they enjoy uh, Mice, Mice on Main. But, but Eric, here's the story I'm going to tell you. So you got the Mice on Main project, and it's been now around for 20 years. Wow. Uh, so what do I hear now? See, I run into younger people who were born and raised in Greenville, then they went away. They went to college, grad school maybe, lived in D.C., lived in New York, mm-hmm. and they come back to Greenville. And that's our great success, mm-hmm. too, that we're attracting young people to stay in our community again. The grandchildren are coming home. And I've had two different people come up to me with the same exact story. They say, you know, I left and I came back. I love my city. I love my downtown. And then they said, it started with mice on Main when I was a child. Really? How about that? And I'm, so I'm telling other cities now that public art, think about public art for children. Hmm. It's something totally different. And it's not just about the children. It's about this attachment you can begin to create with young people that stays with them for a long time to come. And I've seen it. And the I, I, first time it happened, I was quite taken back. The second time, I was really blown away and asked the person, sure. I asked her a lot of questions about, are you serious? I mean, she loved the Liberty Bridge and Falls Park and right. wanted to come back from D.C. to enjoy that again. But she went back to Mice on Main. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Well, it's, 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 speaking personally, when I when I came the first time, it was I saw Fall for Greenville, and Fall for Greenville was yeah. something that really impacted me of the mm-hmm. vibrance of the city, the the amount of children, the people that enjoy the town, the love of art and music, which I didn't expect for a city this high. And then there came Artisphere, where you have one of the larger art exhibits, the yeah. lines all of Main Street. And as, as, as people come to visit, they recognize that some part of Main Street seems to be closed Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So what's going on, and how, how many festivals are there, do you think, in Greenville? There, it seems like they're all the time. Well, the festivals uh, started, especially Fall for Greenville, as an idea to try to find by hook or crook to get people to even come downtown. Mm-hmm. It was still dilapidated and kind of scary in most people's minds. People stayed away from it, and Falls uh, Fall for Greenville was a way to say, hey, it's okay to come downtown. There'll be big crowds there. We'll have police protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, you know, we don't need to do that anymore. And we have Fall for Greenville just for ourselves, for <laughs> sure. you know, just people enjoyed it. Though it still does bring a lot of people like you who mm-hmm. might come here and, and first see Greenville right. through Falls, Fall for Greenville. Uh, we needed a really, a really great quality arts festival. Um, and that's what, that's how Artisphere happened. We challenged uh, Henry Horowitz in town, said, I'll, I'll take up the challenge. But it was Henry. We need a we need a high quality arts festival. Um, but the secret is, though, of course, that that downtown Greenville on any given weekend, when the weather is nice, looks like a festival. It does, <laughs> and, and we hear that more often. Than, than, you know, I came downtown Greenville on a Saturday. Um, I'd never been here before. I assumed there was some kind of big festival going on, something special going on, and there wasn't. It was just downtown Greenville on the weekends. But we do keep it activated with music in different parts and street musicians and things like that. So the the real beauty is we don't have to have these big festivals to bring people downtown anymore. That's gone. In fact, the biggest crowds on a consistent basis, the biggest crowds in downtown Greenville are are, uh, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Hmm. Now, I remember getting a phone call from the manager of the Mass General Store, which was one of our earliest recruiter recruitees for mm-hmm. retail downtown, was getting the Mass Store downtown. 
the manager called me about uh, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, and said, just want you to know something. Our, our greatest sales have always been Friday, Friday night, Saturday, hmm. and now our biggest sales time is Sunday afternoon. Wow. And isn't that interesting? And I said, it is. And then we begin to see that every Sunday around 3 o'clock. So what do we have on Sunday afternoon? Well, they're not coming downtown to drink and carouse. Right. Uh, it's families. It's very diverse. Mm-hmm. All kinds of people. Um, different ages as well. And that's downtown Greenville. I can't find many cities in the whole country that have that phenomenon, that mm-hmm. people just go downtown to be downtown. Right. It's right. amazing. So. That's so true. That's true. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I could talk to you I mean, yeah. uh, for another hour or two, but I want to respect your time today. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for joining me, Eric Weir, on Stuttering Your Way to Success with my special guest. And thank you for what Greenville. you're doing. I, you, Eric, you look good too fast. And thank you for all that, <laughs> what you brought to Greenville. You brought so much yourself to Greenville with the Camperdown Project now and um, all your other great projects in downtown Greenville. We enjoy your partnership. And thank you for okay. seeing something in us when other people didn't see it. Uh, and having confidence and, and thinking about the future and where to invest, and you're, you're an example of that, and we really appreciate your participation. Great. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Great, and thanks for joining today on Stuttering Your Way to Success with Mayor Knox White, right. who's not only the mayor for 26 years of Greenville, but he's one of the authors of a great book, Reimagining Greenville, Building the Best Downtown in America. Thank you so much for joining us today.